0: Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. How does what you wear represent your identity? We have three native fashion designers on who put a lot of thought and inspiration into answering that question. It's the material, the images, the layers, and the innate understanding of culture. But it's also vision and hard work, and a little bit of luck to get noticed in a crowded field of talent. Today, we're celebrating three inspired designers who are making waves in the fashion world. We're back right after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. May 5th marked Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Awareness Day. Events have been held throughout the week, including in Springfield, Oregon, to honor missing and murdered Indigenous women. KLCC's Brian Bull has more.
0: Roughly 40 people came to hear poems about relatives and friends lost to violence or abduction. Co-organizer Marta Clifford is a Grand Ronde tribal member. She worked with students from the University of Oregon and Lane Community College on the ceremony.
2: Our voices have power. We spoke to the people that are missing and murdered, and we know they heard us. So that's what I want the students to take away, that their voices matter. They made a difference tonight.
0: The event hit home for Megan Van Pelt, a U of O junior from the Umatilla Indian Reservation.
3: I know too many aunties and too many cousins. I know too many of my friends who have gone through sexual assault. And I guess today is making space for ourselves. And we are here for our lost sisters and our lost cousins.
0: The Indian Resource
3: Law Center says over half of Native women have experienced sexual violence. For National Native News, I'm Brian Bull in Springfield, Oregon.
1: Tribal advocates met this week to discuss the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. It provides a framework to help ensure their survival. The U.N. adopted the declaration in 2007, but the U.S. has yet to implement it. Keith Harper, Cherokee Nation, is the first Native American to become a U.S. ambassador. He points out America's position is that the declaration is aspirational in nature, But he says,
0: and the fact that they're aspirational rather than binding, uh,
4: I don't think should be of much import because you still should have a plan to
5: reach the aspiration.
1: Countries such as Canada, New Zealand and Mexico are taking steps to implement the declaration. Tribal advocates in the U.S. say one outcome would be closer consultation with tribes on key issues. Some Alaska Native elders must make the tough choice of whether to give their Native corporation shares away to be eligible for federal programs like SNAP. As KNBA's Trip J. Krause reports, legislation introduced in Congress may help.
5: Before the late Alaska U.S. Congressman Don Young died, he introduced House Resolution 437. The legislation would amend the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act to exclude certain payments to Alaska Native elders when determining eligibility for need-based federal programs, such as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. The U.S. House Subcommittee for Indigenous People held a hearing for testimony on a series of tribal-related measures, including Young's legislation. California Republican U.S. Congressman Jay Obernolte is Acting Ranking Committee member.
3: This discrepancy between the types of income from ANCs can place many... Alaska Native elders in the position of having to choose between accepting settlement trust income on the one hand or qualifying for government assistance on the other, and obviously that's not a situation we would want to put anyone in.
5: During testimony Chugach Alaska Corporation board chairman, Sherry Barretta spoke before the subcommittee.
6: Perhaps one of the most meaningful benefits we provide is annual dividend distributions, critical income source for many of our people. This is particularly true for our elders many of whom live in our remote communities and face a harsh environment. The effect of this bill on the budget is marginal, but the impact on our Alaska Native elders is significant.
5: House Resolution 437 was introduced in January. In Anchorage, I'm Tripp J. Kraus.
1: And I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
0: National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation
3: with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Strong Hearts Native Helpline, providing no-charge confidential support and resources to Native Americans affected by domestic and sexual violence 24-7 at 1-844-7NATIVE or strongheartshelpline.org. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com.
0: Native Voice 1, the Native American Radio Network. this is native america calling i'm sean spruce even if you don't follow the fashion world today's show will be an inspiration all of our guests are getting a lot of attention for taking traditional native images to a new level sage mountainflower works as a tribal environmental director but her designs are blowing up everywhere she goes she just had a very successful showing at the herd indian market and fair and she has big plans ahead cree model and designer scott wabano is making waves in his hometown of Toronto, and Native Hawaiian designer Manaloa Yap challenged himself to translate traditional spirituality and his home's natural beauty into works that the rest of the world can understand and learn from. Native designers who excel with traditional images and creatable wearable art have long been cast aside by the fashion industry, but that's beginning to change. We're getting a view into the Indigenous fashion world today. It's Hemlines, Runways and Style a Native America Calling. So all of you fashionistas out there listening, join the conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Our first guest has been making waves all over the Southwest and beyond recently. As mentioned, her blue ribbon winning exhibition at the Heard Museum Indian Fair and Market featured a piece that was sold almost immediately. To the Peabody Essex Museum in Salem, Massachusetts, where it'll be on display as part of a collection that celebrates contemporary native artists. And joining us now from Tisuque Pueblo, New Mexico is Sage Mountainflower. She is a fashion designer. She's okay Wenge, Taos Pueblo and Navajo. Sage, welcome to the show. Thank you, Thomas. Good morning. Sengitamo as well. So good to hear your voice. Sage and I go back a few years, a good friend. Sage, uh, I've just been really so proud of you over the last few years in reading about all of your accomplishments in the world of fashion and design. So many cool things happening with your career. Tell us, um, what's some of the latest news that's going on with you?
2: Oh, well, you announced quite a bit so far. Um, Last, I also just want to mention that I was also awarded a Judge's Choice ribbon for my flowers in the sky beaded bodice dress, um, and that was awarded to me by Christie Be- Vezlo So that was pretty um, amazing to have that recognized as well. So, um, but last week was gathering, and it was a it was a lot of activity. Um, so, I had a. A, a film crew come out to do assist me in creating, um, I guess, a promotion, promotional video for Block, which was formerly the Square, Square Up um, app. So that was really um, amazing. Our Winge allowed me to film in our village and and assisted me in making sure that I got the images I needed for... Um, promoting my business. So um, I just opened my studio in Okewinge as well, um, early April. So that's been a pretty amazing feat. Kind of just getting over um, my creations taking over my house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just sounds like so much going on. And you mentioned that, that app, that promo video, which is really cool. That's a, a mobile payment app. So it's, kind of like the intersection of indigenous entrepreneurship and mobile technology, which is just really, really exciting. And I know you've got a lot of really beautiful pieces, apparel. Um, One in particular that I really like a lot is the flowers in the sky dress. Can you talk about that?
2: Oh yeah. I started that maybe, uh, shoot, 2000, I guess last year, some, um, in February when COVID started or, Well, yeah. When COVID started, we were just at home, and we had to we had like a stay-at-home order. We had to be be home in the pueblo, and so I started it there. Um, So it was around the end of February, and it kind of I had my mark in there of like a COVID strand. So you'll see it around what I call start my star designs, but they look like positive signs. So, um, you know, we had that issue of being positive. COVID positive was like, you know, the scare and everybody was just like, you know, stay away from me. But, you know, we're actually, we're people and we're beautiful. And I was just kind of trying to show that, that idea of, you know, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And, you know, it goes beyond everything else too. In the stars our our prayers and, you know, there's beauty in everything that we see. So that was kind of my inspiration for that dress.
0: Wow. So the way you draw so much from your own life experience, from your heritage, from your culture, and you work that into these designs, into these pieces that you sew and you create. Sage, when did you get started designing?
2: I started designing, I think, um, when I became a mom, you know, that was mainly where I was inspired to to create traditional clothing for my children just so that they can participate in our Pueblo and as well as in the powwow circuit. It just evolved from there over the years, you know, as I learned different techniques in beadwork and in um, sewing and things like that. Everything's pretty much been self-taught, though. I never went to school for any of it.
0: Now, sewing and embroidery, that's a long-standing tradition and art form in many of the Pueblos. Um, I know there at Okea Wenge, where you're from, there's a number of of elders that have done that over the years. But you're really taking it to a new level now with integrating it into contemporary fashion and design and um, what what really got you to go to that next level and just start really doing the shows and marketing yourself and building a brand, which is really what you're doing?
2: Yeah, I created my brand. The brand is me, Sage Mountain Flower, Um, but it just evolved with having teenagers and teenage kids, and you know they wanted they want the contemporary clothing, and they also want to to represent who they are as a Native American, as a Pueblo woman, as a Lakota woman, as a you know, like who, who the tribes they they're from? Because I always instilled in my children, you know, the pride of of where they belong and where they come from. And being Navajo and being Pueblo, it was always like important to us. So, um, it just kind of evolved from there. Just
0: I was yeah, really fascinating. For my kids. <laughs> really fascinating. Sage, Sage, could you describe, you know, because over the radio, I know, you know, people can look online, they can check out your your Facebook page, they can see a lot of these designs, but for our listeners that are just hearing your voice, give us a little detail in terms of like what your style is, what it looks like, what the pieces look like, so we can really envision it.
4: I, I,
2: I like to incorporate a lot of beadwork into my my stuff so like again i know the embroidery skill I've, I've had some some work in that too but i actually moved it over to beadwork because my daughter is like beat everything let's beat it you know so um she wants to wear the the beaded pieces and that's where um i kind of just started creating in that sense so i do a lot of like traditional clothing with like with the contemporary flair, I'm always, like, um, inspired by when in the 70s with the AIMS, with the Amster, um the American Indian Movement, um, they were always had their contemporary clothing, but then they always had that beadwork or they always had the Native, that little Native piece that just made it, like, stand out, you know, so I was always inspired by that because that's the way I grew up with my parents, and I kind of put that on my on my kids to have that that look as well. So beadwork, I do a lot of flowers, I do a lot of um, um I mean my based on my name Sage Mountain Flower, I just kind of go from there and grow. So a lot of star um motifs and pueblo um designs, things like that. So geometrical design.
0: Now I saw online a you work. have satin work. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw a online satin. Nice. That's a that's a nice fabric. CJ, I know you have a black on black collection. Can you talk about that? What exactly is that?
2: The black on black I call it It's Fendi. It's Fendi Tewa. So it's um everything just kind of uh, putting that Southwestern style, I mean, in our Tewa country, a lot of pottery is done on black on black. So it's kind of a little bit of that, bringing that into clothing, into the fashion world. But I do like a lot of using a lot of the same color, but different shades. So if you look at all my previous collections, you know, the Pink Ways collection, is like a pink on pink, but just different shades. The Rise of the Morning Star collection also includes um, different shades of blue. So I like to play with the color, but just in the same, I guess, palette of colors. And that and the black and black is kind of bringing, bringing that out as well. But, you know, with the idea of it's Fendi, you know, but Fendi in our language is black. And again, um, it's just celebrating, you know, who we are as Tewa people in, in the northern New Mexico area and Tewa country.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, really, really exciting, great stuff you're doing. And I know you've got a trip uh, overseas coming up this fall, right?
2: Yeah, I have two um, trips coming up. Um, I'm planning to go to Milan Fashion Week in September 24th and then also to participate in Indigenous Fashion Week in Paris, France.
0: Well, we are really going to be watching and see how that goes for you, paying attention. Um, again, we're speaking with Sage Mountainflower, talking about her indigenous designs, uh, some of her success, some of her uh, just recent projects that are really blowing up. And we've got other designers on the show as well that we're going to talk to but we do have to take a short break. Anyone with any questions or comments, please give us a call. 1-800-996-2848. Anything you want to say, a shout out to one of our designers, please feel free. I'm Sean Spruce. We'll be right back after the break. The Yurok tribe's efforts to help reintroduce endangered California condors is a lesson in patience. It's a project decades in the making. But the majestic birds are now on their way to returning after at least 130 years. We'll find out about the cultural and environmental importance of condors on the next Native America Calling.
3: This program is supported by StrongHeart's Native Helpline.
0: Thank you for joining us today. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking fashion with Native fashion designers today, and you can join us. What are some of your favorite Native-owned or created style brands? Are you a designer yourself? Tell us about your latest work. 1-800-996-2848 is the number to call. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Our next guest is having a huge impact on the worlds of fashion, art, and social media. With over 10,000 followers on Instagram, he has emerged as a powerful and compelling voice for Indigenous people and causes while advocating through design, experience, and passion. He has worked with high-profile fashion brands as well as creating a personal brand that continues to build a following among Indigenous peoples and others in Canada and the United States. Joining us now from Toronto, Canada is Scott Wabano. He's a fashion designer and creative director. He is EU Cree. Scott, welcome to Native America Calling.
6: Wache, Sean. Hello, Sean. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And you just have so much going on as well with your career. Uh, just give us an, an update here. What are you currently working on? What are you fired up about in your, in your design work?
6: <laughs> yeah, you're catching me at a pretty pretty good time, actually. Right now in Toronto, there's Fashion Week going on, and I've been busy working on um, some, some personal fashion design stuff, but also, um, aside from <clears throat> my fashion design work, I also do a lot of fashion styling. I work as a fashion stylist and creative director as well, too. Uh, So I'm working with, um, aside from my brand, I'm working with a couple uh, other brands at the moment, which is kind of hectic, but it's it's a really exciting time, especially, you know, my passion being fashion. Uh, It doesn't even feel like work. It just feels like I'm doing uh, what I love to do. You know, I'm currently working on my next collection uh, for my brand Wabino, which is a genderless streetwear brand, which focuses on uplifting uh, two-spirit and indigiqueer and 2SLGBTQ youth within our Indigenous communities, uh, but also using my brand as a platform, as a way to educate Western societies about, the, you know, the different identities that fall under, that fall, uh, you know, uh, that fall way behind the, you know, colonial binary that's set in place right now. You know, our existences and our identities have... Uh, have existed for a time immemorial, you know, and um, it's time for us to kind of reclaim our spaces as two-spirit individuals, and I do that through the use of fashion. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just try my best to kind of bring in as much indiz- Indigenous brands and Indigenous uh, businesses into my work as possible. Uh, you know, I've worked a lot with uh, Sephora Canada, Nike, and Lululemon, and I do my best to kind of do Uh, A couple, um, you know, important um, work by involving Indigenous designers and helping their brand be seen on a more global and national platform here in Canada and North America.
0: Well, Scott, so much going on. Is this an opportunistic time for Indigenous representation in the fashion industry?
6: Oh, God, yes. I feel like we are at, like, the Perfect time for anybody who has a passion for fashion and you know who has a love and admiration for it to you know turn that passion into a career or you know something for yourself or for your family or for your community you know we are seeing uh, a rise of Indigenous representation whether it be in you know modeling or design or styling you know, it's um, it's a really beautiful time for Indigenous representation right now, and you know, it's uh, it's long time coming. You know, we've been here for a long time, and fashion has just been a part of our lives. You know, for ever. You know, whether it be you know we going to ceremony, you know, whether we are going to a powwow. You know, it's, it's just a way of one's extension of one's identity. So, and along the way, I feel like our people kind of lost that appreciation and that ad- admiration for fashion uh due to colonization and whatnot so it's um trying to bring that back and i feel like a lot of the indigenous representation that we are seeing is really helping and uh, you know i just want to give a big shout out to Kwana chasing horse and uh, lenise uh, from antelope woman designs who were actually seen on the met gala red carpet recently you know and it's uh it's a long time coming that we are finally seeing, you know, indigenous designers at the forefront and indigenous models, you know, bringing our voices and our stories to um, the mainstream fashion industry.
0: It really is. And I'm glad you mentioned Kawana uh, Chasing Horse and that recent appearance there at the Met just continues to to be a trendsetter. And it's got you, you. You draw on some of these issues, some of these challenges in. I feel like with indigenous people, we represent such a small percentage of the overall population in North America. And I think so many times these larger brands, they just look at numbers and volume, right? And they're thinking like, what markets can we make the biggest impact? And sadly, indigenous consumers, we just don't represent a large enough slice of that pie. So I'm curious, how do you work around that to get your brand on the radar?
6: Well, you know, just by being loud and being proud and, you know, just showing that we are here and that we could make an impact with our voices and with our brands and with our identities and just with our existences. And we are kind of seeing that right now, you know, with like the help of, like I want to say, Kwana Chasing Horse, you know, she's helping bring those uh, much important eyes to Indigenous voices and Indigenous peoples within fashion so we could kind of. Uh, help steer this fashion industry in a more sustainable and a more uh, inclusive industry for all. You know, there's this uh, form of elitism that's happening within fashion. You know, there's uh, a lot of toxic uh, traits uh, that kind of that people kind of attribute to the fashion industry. And, you know, but um, there's also so much beauty and so much uh, love specifically within Indigenous fashion and a lot of storytelling and a lot of, uh, you know, Pride that goes into these designs, and I want to be able to uh, share that with all of these um, organizations that I work with. you know we are not an afterthought, you know It's not that we have been you know underrepresented, it's that we've been systemically excluded from all these repre- from all these uh, systems in place right now, you know as indigenous people, nobody wanted us there. But, you know, just by us existing and, you know, just by me even working with these different brands, it just goes to show that we are here and that, you know, our communities matter and that, you know, they need to be ta- paying attention and listening to us as well, too.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly does. And, and you're so inspiring in, in, in everything you're doing and your whole approach. We've got a caller now, Marla, listening in Pine Ridge, South Dakota on Keeley Radio. Marla, you're on the air.
2: I'm Becky Wash Day. I am so honored. I want to say how proud I am of all the designers, the dressmakers, the bead workers. We have been ignored and I'm so happy. We are fine we're gonna get the forefront. I think Kwana chasing horse.
0: Mm-hmm. Quanta Chasing Horse.
2: And I yeah. think we need more of them. I walk around Pine Ridge, I see the most beautiful women.
0: Well, Marla, thank you so much for calling in with those comments. And I think many, many of our listeners would agree with you 100% when you emphasize the beauty of Native people. So thank you for that call. And Scott... um, you know, so many people are just really excited that we're seeing more native influence and not only just in fashion and design, but even in media and other areas. And, and I've heard you in an interview, you've said that your goal is to, to indigenize the fashion industry and media. And what do you mean by that?
6: Yeah, I feel like you know there's this emphasis on um decolonization a lot and you know that word decolonize is very is thrown a lot you know in a lot of people's vocabulary and you know it's really hard to decolonize an industry that's so you know centered around white patriarchal views and you know the way that it's built it's built on colonization so And instead of decolonizing it, I want to indigenize it, you know? I want to bring more Indigenous views and Indigenous voices and Indigenous eyes to this uh, industry. Because as Indigenous people, I just felt we are, we have been leaders in sustainability and innovation for generations now. And, you know, we have, we know the way to kind of preserve our land, but also, you know, making these beautiful garments and also, you know, showing the mainstream fashion industry that we can be sustainable when it comes to our fashion, you know? And I feel like that's something that's completely overlooked, you know, as um as indigenous designers and you know our our view on that is very is very precious and is very sacred I find, you know? And I feel like the fashion industry really needs to be indigenized so we could kind of have this more uh, sustainable and more inclusive approach when it comes to you know, modeling and when it comes to design work and all things fashion.
0: Well, Scott, your work is, is breathtakingly beautiful. It's stylish, but you also draw on some of your political feelings and views. And could you give us some examples of how you incorporate your political ideology into your fashion and design?
6: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, just like, well, I'm a streetwear brand, so when I look, um, when I'm not making really couture pieces, I often look at the clothes that we're wearing outside of that, you know, when we're going to work, when we're going to run errands, you know, when we're going to rallies, you know, when we're going to marches. Um, People use fashion as a way to send a statement, and I always found that, you know, graphic teas were a perfect way to do that and um, for my brand I was able to do uh, graphic teas on some organic cotton teas and branded quotes such as you know my existence is the resistance you know making sure that youth know that them being here is very sacred you know that they're a gift to this world they're a gift to society they also have a voice they also have a gift everybody has a gift and that they bring to this world so I want them to know that their existence is that gift and you know just by them being here is a big you know slap in the face to all of the colonial governments that tried to get rid of us Uh, but also having other quotes such as my queerness is traditional on a t-shirt you know because oftentimes people want to you know say that uh, you know two-spirit or queer or gay people didn't exist within Indigenous communities when that is far from the fact, you know, we've actually been leaders in the past, you know, we've been viewed as sacred beings and I want people to know that again, you know, colonization really did a toll on a lot of our Indigenous communities on the way we view, um, you know, two-spirit and trans and non-binary and gay uh, community members. So. I wanted to, you know, remind our community, not only community, but the whole world, that being queer is a sacred, sacred thing. And, you know, being gay and being trans and being non-binary is, you know, we need to be celebrated. You know, we need to be honoured for who we are, you know. And for the longest time in society, we've been judged and, you know, we've been shamed and we've been discriminated against. And, you know, I just want to bring that, love and that empowerment back to our two S LGBTQ plus community members.
0: Well, well Scott, who do you design your apparel for primarily? Is it for native people, non-native people, Two Spirit and, and others as you mentioned? Who's your primary audience?
6: Literally anybody who wants to support.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs>
6: I make it for the little kids and the res, you know, I also make it for our black brothers and sisters who are on the front lines of these marches you know i also make it for the little gookums that are in the elderly homes you know i make it for anyone and anyone who wants to send a statement and who wants to support indigenous fashion who wants to support indigenous brands you know and i feel like that's something a lot of non-indigenous people are really scared of when they when it comes to indigenous fashion they're always like oh is, can i wear this you know is this cultural appropriation is this, you know, like they're very scared on supporting it. And, you know, that's that shouldn't be the case at all. You know, they should love our designs. They should love to wear them. They should love to support them. Uh, You know, it also depends on if it's up to the designer, of course. But, you know, I feel like if it's not regalia or ceremonial wear, like it's made for everyone, you know, and um, that's the way I view my brand. That's why I kind of labeled it as genderless. And uh, I also have other, you know, my, my quotes that I have, my graphic tea quotes that I have don't all, only suit, you know, two-spirit and indigenous queer people. There are quotes that, you know, will fit all BIPOC people, you know, or I, all minor, um, minority people. So, yeah, I just make mm-hmm. it for every, everybody and everybody. You know, I want my brand to be as inclusive as it is.
0: I really appreciate that inclusive approach and I think as do many other people. And Another thing, Scott, I really admire about you is you've got a really strong social media game, big time, and it really fascinates me because I think that is so hard and it looks like really easy at first, yeah, start a Twitter feed, create an Instagram page, but it takes so much more to really make an impact on on social media and you do that. What's your secret?
6: um literally just being myself I found was what helped me you know I guess gain this platform you know it's kind of crazy and it's kind of corny to say that but literally just being your authentic self is what people gravitate towards you know and people will feel that energy through you know the screen whether it be Instagram or TikTok and all that stuff you know a lot of people really underestimate that you know they think they could just post something but you know, there's, uh, there's true meaning and true energy that goes behind all of the work that I do, you know, on and off social media. And I want to be able to, I want to be able, people to feel that energy, you know, to feel that love, you know, to feel my comedic little gestures as well, too. I'm a very, like, if anybody knows me, I'm a very comedic and, like, not so serious person. And I love joking around with people. I just love the humor that we have within the Indigenous community, you know. It's just so funny and so rare, so I like to play on that, of course, too, with my TikTok videos. Um, You know, I like to uh, connect with other Indigenous and Two-Spirit youth, you know, through other different scenarios that we might have been in. You know, I like to make videos on that or make posts on that. Um, You know, it's just, you know, connecting to your audience, being yourself and just, you know, loving yourself and having that confidence is really what's key, I find.
0: Well, Scott, your enthusiasm is certainly infectious. And again, we're listening to Scott and we've got Sage and we've got another designer that we're going to talk with after the break, but just a fascinating discussion. And I really like Scott's idea of indigenizing the fashion industry. So, callers, what are you waiting for? 1 800 996 2848. I know. There are some fashionistas that are out there listening and you want to comment. So please give us a call. Our producers are waiting for you to pick up that phone. Until then, we're going to take a short break. I'm your host, Sean Spruce.
1: Are you Native American with a disability and feel you have not been able to access services for you or a loved one? The Native American Disability Law Center can help. The Native American Disability Law Center is a not-for-profit 501c3, and there is no charge for this help. More info at 800-862-7271 or nativedisabilitylaw.org, who support this show.
0: You're tuned in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Still time to get in on our conversation. We're talking all things related to Native fashion. Have you seen more fashion designers be highlighted more? What are your thoughts on the current state of indigenous made fashion? We're at 1-800-996-2848, one 996 2848 Phone lines are still open. And at this point, I'd like to bring another guest into our conversation. Joining us from Hawaii Island, Manaola Yap. He's a fashion designer. He's Kanoka Maioli. And He's talking with us now. It's early in the morning where he's at, but he's wide awake and excited to meet our listeners. Welcome to the show. Aloha. Aloha to you as well, Manaloa. Um, Tell us more, fashion scene in Hawaii. What's it like? What's going on there?
4: You know, fashion has always been um, an important part of our cultural heritage here in the islands. And, you know, there's a lot of movement happening um recently within the past you know five to six years on really bringing native fashion um into a more contemporary and modern setting so it's definitely been um been wonderful you know being a part of that that movement uh forward
0: well Anybody who ever goes to Hawaii, or even if you've never been to Hawaii, you see so much Native influence in the style, even mainstream. And I know a lot of that is probably not drawn on traditional stuff. It's it's maybe kind of stereotypical, some of the designs we see. But um, has it always been that way? Has there always been such an interest in Native Hawaiian design and fabric, or is that kind of... a been more of the result of tourism and, and other dynamics in recent years. What's your thought on that?
4: You know, it's been an interesting journey um, for our ancestors and even for us as a new generation in um, cultural influence in fashion. Um, and I, and I believe, you know, there's, there's definitely pluses and minuses in all parts of, of our history as well. I mean, as an indigenous um, you know, Native race. So when you look at uh, what's happened and, and how things have, you know, became popular uh, at one time, Hawaiian fashion, um, or in the eyes of, you know, what was happening at the time, like items like the Aloha shirt, for instance, right? If you talk about an Aloha shirt, an Aloha shirt's really recognizable all around the world. And every time it's spring and summer, an Aloha shirt is one of the main staple items and it's redesigned and it's, you know, normally considered a floral um, patterned shirt, right? That represents different tropical flowers. But a lot of times the original, you know, pieces from those eras were not actually Indigenous um, flowers. So, you know, it is definitely a part of tourism as well that had made Hawaii or put Hawaii on the map for resort wear at one time. Um, So yes I I guess if you're asking tourism did play a a big part of you know um, in our fashion history and right now a lot of um, designers here like myself are looking to change that footprint of florals that are not you know they are tropical and they do grow here but are not necessarily our indigenous flowers and kind of Resetting that that platform as a stage to to show our own what we call kinolao or our um, our leaf bodies that rep, that have deeper representation and um, meaning for us as a um, indigenous people.
0: Really, really insightful. Thank you so much. Tell us about some of your latest work.
4: Uh, right now, um, i have I'm just been kind of working on a few shows, upcoming shows that we have um, here in the islands. Um, I just recently worked on a project with uh, Mason Valentino in creating a pattern story for their London uh, Chelsea and Bloom uh, Fashion Week collection. Uh, And uh, one of the biggest pieces to that, it had been one of the first times they had ever collaborated in that way with Indigenous artists and Native artists. Um, but uh, one of the, the greatest parts of it is that we also um, remained uh, kept full ownership over our designs, which is one of the biggest pieces, you know, when you're working with uh, a major fashion house. So one of the beautiful things is that we were able to keep those designs and um, use them in our own collections, which is definitely a huge step forward for um, our Native designers. So right now I'm actually working on my personal um, collection featuring um, that exclusive print that was made for Red Valentino.
0: Now, Manaola, um, other Hawaiian fashion designers um, that you draw inspiration from, who do you look at? Is a role model.
4: you know, I was very fortunate um to have a really awesome mom, <laughs> of course, I'm sure we all have that story um, <clears throat> but my mother, you know as a hula teacher, my family has been doing hula and and cultural arts for generations um from music, chant, and dance, and my mother um has always been known for actually dressing and and really being very fashionable, but of course still keeping that native flair. And a lot of her friends were actually some of the greatest designers um, of Hawaii. So I was really fortunate to be able to grow up around them. And my mother used to actually produce these really cool fashion shows that were all Hawaiian using um, hula dance and chant and music um, and artisans and designers. So I got to grow up... Um, knowing a lot of these designers and modeling for them. And I think that's one of the great ways that uh, have helped me forge forward in in moving our Indigenous fashion forward. Some of those great designers include Nakeu Awai, who is still alive today, and he's just thriving and an amazing, amazing designer who actually had a background in theater as well. So um, he's an amazing designer, um, I also was able to be around um, Uncle Sig Zane, who is also an ama- amazing designer as well, um, and hula practitioner um, from Hawaii Island. So those are two of my main um, sources of inspiration. And then, of course, a few designers that have passed away, including like Alan Akina, who who is also known for his incredible um, artwork um, as well.
0: Manaola, if you could describe your brand using just one word, what would it be?
4: One word? Oh, that's hard. <clears throat> I'd have to use two because Hawaiian language, actually, um, every every word in, in our indigenous language has many meanings and many layers and many contexts. So it's kind of hard to explain what <laughs> Manaola is as, as one brand, but Manaola is Manaola, and Manaola... Um, actually translates as life force and it represents the, the spiritual connectivity and the innate power that we have as Indigenous people that we draw from, um, from the life cycles that is nature and that is the elements and that is um, our connection um, between animals and humans and, and nature as well.
0: Now, who do you primarily market to? Is it native Hawaiian people? Is it tourists or Are you more inclusive?
4: The biggest part to our brand is is looking at restoring the true sense and and the value sets that are Aloha, the spirit of Aloha, which is definitely you know. I feel like it's 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 kind of been used and abused a lot you see it on bags and you see it on t-shirts and all those things but really um trying to restore what aloha means is a big part of our movement and that movement is also um about inclusiveness in all spirits around the world and our our ability to to move with the spirit of aloha to help To heal, to help, to to bring everyone, every every living spirit, animate and inanimate, together, and so our brand is is definitely inclusive, and I've it hasn't been an easy movement, um, getting. You know, getting everyone on board with that when we first came out, because a lot of people, when they see our native designs or our more traditional designs, which is the medium that um, that I work through, um, you know, they definitely feel this resistance and like, oh, if I'm not Native Hawaiian, can I not use this print or can I not use that design? But really, a big part of our movement is changing that mindset of being more inclusive to everyone around the world.
0: I really like how you state that. And I know Scott touched on that as well. And I feel as Native people, we need to, just regular Native people, we need to be more welcoming of people that that wear our designs and our style. And sometimes I feel like when I'll, I'll see some of the things that we as Native people sell, we, we want people to buy them, but then we don't necessarily want them to wear them. I, I, I get that sense of, like, there's pushback when you see a non-Native person and they're really decked out with, with Native apparel or artwork or jewelry or something like that. And I, I feel like it's it's a little bit of a, of a contradiction in that regard. But, um, Mona Ola, I, I, talking with you more and, and you're sharing some of this information and the history, and I, I'm just kind of getting a vibe here. Like, is it time for people to just ditch the Western Hawaiian button down? Does that kind of need to happen? <laughs>
4: You know, um, it's definitely one of those things that I've been trying to move away from. You know, we have a few, you know, what are what are considered traditional um, garments, but really are not traditional at all. Which are the like like the button down the aloha shirt, which is really a camp shirt, right? Or the muumuu, which is a a frock, right? It's a long dress with you know that that sleeveless. Um, When we look at when we look at those pieces, you know, we definitely are trying to to move away from those things and and bring back the concept of what traditional fashion is, right? Like when we look at the pa'u or the, the skirt, for instance, the skirt for us um, from, you know, being from a hula dancer family, a pa'u is a big, interesting concept for us because it doesn't necessarily just represent... Um, a skirt, right? Like a normal everyday skirt What a, a Pau represents to us in fashion is it's a place that clothes our loins, right? It, and that's, that part of our body is our creative cosmos. It's our ability to to move intergenerational and, um, and what we attract and, and the energies that we attract in the, from the designs, the colors, and the silhouettes of that Pau skirt that we use you know all have significant meaning in the energy that we pull so yeah. you know definitely doing our best to to move back to those more traditional concepts and helping people embrace that of course one one spoonful at a time you know <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> yeah
0: i like that one spoonful at a time so monola Our listeners today, if they want to follow you, if they want to see samples of your work, if they want to learn more about what you have going on, what's the best way to do that?
4: Um, They can actually check us out on Instagram at at Manaola Hawaii, and you can also check our um, website out at www.manaolahawaii.com.
0: And Sage, how about you for listeners that want to learn more about your brand in your styles. Where can they do that?
2: I'm on Instagram, um, Facebook at Sage Mountain Flower, and then I'm also SageMountainflower dot com.
0: Got it. Thank you so much. Monaola, um you know one thing that you know we've talked a lot about information, um, you know, and, and so often as, as Native artists, you and our other guests, you incorporate some of your your beliefs and some of your political views into your work, and I, I know that the apparel and fashion industry, it doesn't have a great track record when it comes to treatment of workers, and it's no secret, you know, many apparel companies outsource their manufacturing to third world countries, and I'm just curious to know, do you think about that as you continue to grow your brand? It's It's
4: always an important piece um, of our brand, and and I'm sure for a lot of other um, Indigenous designers as well. When we look at um, our ability to manufacture things, that's a huge, um, huge part of our business, right? But it's also a huge part of, the karma, right? If you know, if you, we have other words, right? Um, mana, we say ho ia, or mana means our spiritual energy because we believe that energy attracts energy, right? And even the hands that touch things when we, when we hana, when we make something, right? Um, a part of that that process and that artisan goes into the, it goes into the materials that, that make the garment in tradition. So as a spiritual brand, we believe the same concept and we are very careful with, um, where we manufacture, who manufactures our pieces and also what they, um, you know, their ideologies, their families. And, and we, you know, we do a, We have a very, um, crucial role in we take a very crucial role in going and visiting and meeting the people that we work with and the factories that we work with so that we maintain that um that cleanliness of the product when it gets you know from the time it's manufactured it's designed manufactured and then um given to the you know to the client that that buys Mm -hmm. it but i think uh, one of the biggest pieces to that is also our ability to look at Um, factories that believe in karma and also looking at the indigenous cultures that make contemporary textiles today, right? Hawaii. In Hawaii, we didn't necessarily make cotton. We didn't make silk. We didn't make um, satin and all these things, right? Those are the ingenuity that came from other countries, you know, in Asia and all over the world, Egypt even, with linen and all of those types of textiles. So when I look at that um I definitely okay.
0: use that as a roadmap. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for our show today. But let me thank our guests, Sage Mountainflower, Scott Wabano, and Mona Ola Yap, for an inspiring and exciting journey into the fast paced world of Native fashion and design. Join us on Monday as we hear about the Yurok tribe and their work with conserving the California condor. You've been listening to Native America Calling.
3: Support by Indigenous Pact, a healthcare consulting company working to create health equity in Indian country. Indigenous Pact offers solutions to fit the needs of your tribe. Their team, experts in healthcare strategy, policy, and innovation, provides a -a one-of-a-kind plan to solve the issues specific to your community. Indigenous Pact works to create three primary outcomes, healing spaces, healthy citizens, and sustainable economies. More information at indigenouspact.com.
6: Hey! Okay, I am a doctor. I am a doctor. I am CMS doctor. I a